Hello and welcome back to the Come Follow Me Bible Challenge, where we are continuing on in the book of Revelation, finishing out the year 2023 in our survey of the New Testament, following along with the schedule set by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You may know them as the Mormon Church. I do not follow their curriculum, but I follow their curriculum schedule to offer relevant, pertinent, topical thoughts from a Bible church pastor, if you're interested in that. And today we are in the meat of the book of Revelation, Revelation uh, 4 to 18. So a lot going on in those chapters, and uh, I'm just going to be able to give you a little dropper worth of information today in perspective. It's pretty crazy. Um, You know, we started this year going through the Gospels, you know, it's the the year of the New Testament. So going through the Gospels and Acts, and their curriculum schedule had that lasting seven months. So six months in the Gospels and one month in the book of Acts. Seven months to cover five books of the New Testament. Well, that leaves five months to cover the remaining 22 books of the New Testament. (laughs) And Revelation gets its own month. Um, So that leaves, I guess, just four months to cover 21 books there in the middle. That's what we just got done doing. Covered 21 New Testament books. Not really. There were lots of books that just had to be skipped in four months. Well, Revelation, trying to do it in three lessons um, is very difficult from a teaching perspective. I I know that the idea communicated by Latter-day Saints is that this is for members of that organization to read through this uh, read through the Bible on their own. You know, the schedule is set so they can read through it in a year or whatever, um, which is fine. But when it comes to uh, teaching any kind of curriculum put forth, just know that you can't do the book of Revelation justice in three lessons. You can't do the book of Romans justice in two lessons, as we talked about a few weeks ago. It, it just can't happen. But I'm going to do my best to offer something helpful today as we consider what's going on in Revelation. Last week, we talked about chapters 1 through 3, particularly focusing on the seven churches and Jesus' messages to them. Well, now we are going to start in chapter 4 of Revelation. I want to look at 4, 5, and a little bit of 6. But before that, I want to show you this chart. I should go to this one. There we go. This chart that someone made on the book of Revelation, it's not perfect. It's not sweeping, comprehensive, but um, I think it's i think it's helpful. And so uh, you see here that this person has set forth some basic information, the offer, time, and place. But the main thing that we want to know is how this book is structured. And those first three chapters that we covered last week are the letters to the seven churches, Jesus the coming king, the founder and perfecter of faith, the one who builds the church, he was talking to seven local churches. Well, now we transition, and you see at the top where it says focus, it has for the first three chapters of Revelation, the focus being heaven, and now for chapters 4 through 19, the focus is earth, That's not a super clean break. Uh, As you'll see as we get into chapter 4, like the first thing John is told is come up here into a very sacred part of heaven. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, 
But general, the general sentiment is now we are entering into a period where we're going to find out what's going to happen on the face of the earth during a time of God's wrath. And so you see how this is structured here. The seven seals are covered mostly in just chapter 6, but they have four through six covering the seven seals, seven through nine, the seven trumpets, 10 to 13, there are seven signs described, and uh, 14 through 16, it says 26, we'll say 16, covering the seven bowls of judgment. So you've got seals, trumpets, and bowls that are all pertaining to God's judgment on the earth. That's what's going on when you start reading those passages. It's something that hasn't happened yet. There are, of course, going to be figures that are used to describe what's going on, but it will be a very literal judgment being poured out on the face of the earth. And that is yet future. And uh, then you have a destruction of God's enemies as they come to do battle against him, and Jesus returns and strikes down his enemies with the sword of his mouth. And we'll cover that a little bit next week as we close out the year. But um, whereas chapters 1 through 3 were focusing on the coming king, we start getting into here in the middle of Revelation the coming calamity on the face of the earth, where God's judgment, God's wrath is going to be poured out on them. Very, very important that you understand that basic idea of what's going on in the book of Revelation. Revelation is one of the most abused books in the Bible. Maybe Genesis would be the only rival, uh, but Re- Revelation seems to be pretty abused, where people just take it and run with it and act like it's a, I don't know, a piece of paper that everybody can do their own origami with. Well, that's not the case. It's actually a structured book. It has intention and purpose and meaning. And we are to discover that as students of the Bible who honestly want to hear what God has to say. That's what this is all about, all right? So um, so Revelation is a book that is worth studying, but it's to be done the right way. Well, let's uh, transition now to the text. Revelation chapter 4, it says, right after describing the messages to the seven churches, After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven... And the first voice, which I had heard, like the sound of a trumpet speaking with me, said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after these things. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was standing in heaven, and one sitting on the throne. And he who was sitting was like a jasper stone, and a sardius in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne, like an emerald in appearance." Around the throne were 24 thrones, and upon the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting, clothed in white garments and golden crowns on their heads. So, immediately after John receives from Jesus the seven messages for the seven churches, he's told, come up here, and he goes to the throne room of God. What an amazing sight. There's obviously worship that's taking place. Uh, When you read through Revelation 4, you learn about the four living creatures who are worshiping God unceasingly, and their appearance is pretty wild. They seem to be angelic beings, creatures made by God who live in the angelic realm, whose purpose is to worship God. And they have this amazing statement. I want to show you this, too. At the end of Revelation 4, you have the creatures who worship them, holy, 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 Uh, Then you also have the 24 elders who are sitting on these 24 thrones, falling down before him who sits on the throne, and they cast their crowns before him. That's where the band Casting Crowns gets their name. Uh, 
And these 24 elders say, Worthy are you, this is verse 11, Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and because of your will, they existed and were created. Wow. Because of the will of God, all things existed, so came into being, and then were fashioned together. They were created. We, as Bible-believing Christians, recognize the doctrine of creation ex nihilio, that God created all things out of nothing. This, of course, is a doctrine that is different in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, where it's believed that God only created out of pre-existing materials, that matter is eternal. Well, here it says that all things existed by the will of God. There was no existence of anything apart from the will of God, meaning will of God comes first. Then they come into existence, and then they're created. Then they're fashioned together. See the order there? Really, really important. But anyway, uh, you have this throne room of God, and uh, John is up there observing what's going on, and you've got the 24 elders. Who are the 24 elders? Well, it seems right that they are representative of the church. These 24 elders are representative of those who are believers in Jesus Christ, who are going to be rescued from the wrath to come. Uh, In Jesus' message to the church in Philadelphia, he says that uh, they will be spared from the hour of trial that's coming upon the whole world. And as John goes up into the throne room, he sees 24 elders And they are spared from what's getting ready to take place on the earth. And they're worshiping God. An amazing, amazing scene. That's what's going on in Revelation chapter 4. But it it continues in chapter 5. It's amazing stuff that just keeps happening. You see that there's a book with seven seals, and that really comes to the forefront in uh, chapter 6. But the angels are exalting the Lamb in the throne room of God. It says in verse 11 of Revelation 5, Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, and the living creatures, and the elders, and the number of them was myriads of myriads, and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive riches, or sorry, power first, to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And every created thing which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and on the sea and all things in them, I heard saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. And the four living creatures kept saying, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. Amazing! What a scene! What an amazing scene! You've got angels and 24 elders, again, I think representative of the church, bowing down before the Lamb, giving praise, giving glory and honor to Jesus, saying, you have honor and dominion and power, riches forever and ever. Wow. Wow, that's amazing. And that praise of Jesus begins now. We don't have to wait until... We get there as believers in Jesus. We start saying that now, and then then we get to do it face-to-face. So uh, you've got that going on in chapter 5, and then in chapter 6, you have this book of seven seals that starts to open up. 
So you see in six, you have these headings, the first seal, the second seal, third seal, and on it goes. And they're terrible things, war, famine, death, on and on it goes. And I want to focus on this sixth seal for now, where John explains what happens when the sixth seal is broken, what starts happening on the face of the earth. It says in Revelation 6.12, I looked when he broke the sixth seal, and there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth made of hair, and the whole moon became like blood. And the stars of the sky fell to the earth as a fig tree cast its unripe figs when shaken by a great wind. The sky was split apart like a scroll when it is rolled up, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. Then the kings of the earth and the great men and the commanders and the rich and the strong and every slave and free man hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and to the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who is able to stand? Whoa. This is going to be a pretty crazy time on the face of the earth. But notice what's at the heart of this craziness. What's at the heart of what's going on? You have the presence of him who sits on the throne and the wrath of the Lamb. The wrath of God, particularly the wrath of Jesus Christ towards sin, being displayed in graphic form on the face of the earth. That is going to be a terrible time. It's a time of God's judgment. It's a time of God's wrath. And I quoted to you earlier 1 Thessalonians 1.10 that says, Jesus rescues us from the wrath that is to come. 1 Thessalonians 5 says, We were not destined for wrath, but we were destined to obtain salvation. Christians, those who are true believers in the biblical Jesus Christ and the biblical gospel, will not be around at this time to be objects of God's wrath. But instead, forever and ever, they will enjoy salvation as God has given it to them. What an amazing thing. Now, as you read on in Revelation, you get into these middle chapters. You'll read about the Antichrist. You'll read about uh, the 144,000 and the two witnesses and all kinds of stuff. Again, I would commend to you Tom Pennington's sermon series on Revelation, Search Countryside Bible Church, Revelation, or Tom Pennington Revelation series. And he's preached through the book of Revelation. It's very, very good. Um, but you'll also just read stuff that scares you. You'll, you'll read through things and be like, oh man, that sounds awful. Well, you would do well to ask yourself if you will be present on the earth during that time or if you have obtained salvation. Are you going to endure the wrath of the Lamb, or are you going to be comforted by the Lamb in heaven? Ask yourself that. It all depends on what you do with the gospel, the gospel of grace, the gospel that says, though you are a sinner, lost, rebellious toward your Creator from the heart, and you can't remedy your own condition, God sent His Son God, Jesus Christ, God in flesh, walked among us, lived the life we couldn't live, died the death we deserved in our place for our sins on the cross, and rose again on the third day. That if we believe in him, that we are now 
hidden in him at the right hand of God where he has ascended to. And he is our salvation. He is our life. And we will be with him forever and ever, never to have our souls put in jeopardy, never to suffer the condemnation or wrath of God, but to enjoy him forever and ever with the salvation he gives. Have you believed in Jesus Christ for your salvation? Not bringing any of your own works into the equation, trying to pridefully defend yourself with your own actions, but instead in humility, casting yourself at the feet of Jesus and asking him to save you? If you have done that, you've been saved. And if you do that, you will be saved. You'll be born again to a living hope. And you will not endure the wrath of God through these judgments, but instead you have the promise of life forevermore. I hope this helps to understand Revelation a little bit better. May God bless you as you read this book.